The Gospel of St. Matthew, the 28th chapter, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from the Gospel lesson I just finished reading to you and serves as the basis of our theme for the Holy Trinity. Christ's death was worth our living. Jesus invites his disciples on a journey. Mary and Jesus himself told the disciples in verses 7 through 10 of chapter 28 to meet him here today in our account. And it would be a journey that would lead to an even greater excursion that they had no idea would be so unearthly epic. Their first hint of the importance of it all was certainly seeing Jesus risen from the dead. Have you ever seen an accomplished dog trainer at work? The dogs typically swarm around the compound free, energetic, and robust. They look like they don't have a care in the world, and reinforced by their sheer numbers, they go about their activities completely unafraid of anything. Then the trainer appears, and all that changes. They immediately swirl around their alpha leader, vying for his or her attention. They lower their heads, or lay on their back, exposing their belly, or sit with their eyes, shifting back and forth, while somehow always keeping one eye on their master. In the flash of an eye, a powerful pack of animals becomes immediately submissive in the presence of their chief. This is the disciples' posture before Jesus in our initial eyeing of the text. Now go back with me for a moment as we consider what led up today's encounter with Jesus. On the eve of Jesus' crucifixion, they fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane when all Jesus asked them to do was stay awake and keep watch. Peter brashly whipping out his sword to cut off the ear of Malchus when the temple guard came to detain Jesus. Then Peter's fearlessness failing him as he denies his Savior Jesus three times. Nobody was at the cross except the women and possibly the youngest disciple, John. Hiding in the upper room, even after the women said Jesus was alive and having seen his empty tomb for themselves. Now ask yourself. Are they quivering like joyful puppies waiting for their treats? Or are they cowering like dirty dogs who know the mess they created whilst the master was gone? 
This is not the first time we have seen dirty dogs cowering before a potentially angry king. In Genesis, the patriarch Israel loved his second from the youngest son, Joseph. Unfortunately, said devotion raised the ire of his brothers against him. That jealous rage of his brothers motivated them to do something awful to Joseph, selling him into slavery. But God watched over Joseph in slavery and eventually guided him to the most powerful position in all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. One day, his brothers would find their way to Joseph's court. And now these former slave traders were at the mercy of the slave they sold. When Joseph finally revealed himself to them, his brothers were dismayed at his presence, for they knew what they did. Now, what would Joseph do to them? Just like the disciples in today's lesson, the acolytes knew what they did. Now, what would Jesus do to them? Jesus comes to them. Like Joseph embraced his brothers and forgave them, Jesus goes over to them. Like when you go to a party with friends and the most popular person everyone is surrounding suddenly breaks from their adoring circle and crosses the room just to talk with you. It's humbling. It's exciting. It's charming and instantly creates affection where said confidence was lacking before they bridged the gap between them and you. You may have been on the outside of the social circle all alone, but now you were the center of the party scene. I've seen people demonstrate this gift many times, like with politicians and pastors that simply knew how to make everyone feel like the most important people in the room. Or that spiritually gifted individual that finds the one lonely soul at church and makes sure they're never alone again. Just like that, Jesus bridges the gap between the disciples and himself. But they did have their doubts. And what Jesus said first may not have assuaged their fears. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right then and there, they knew this is the most powerful man they would ever know. This man, whom they saw control wind and wave, cleansed lepers, healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, and even raised the dead, now has even more power from on high. The disciples could have felt all that warmth evaporate in the face of that single statement. What an incredible roller coaster ride of emotion. Is he safe or isn't he? Is he coming to help or send us to hell? Will he wipe our tears or wipe us off the face of the earth? Either direction seemed possible. They had demonstrated all too clearly. They rarely knew what was on their Lord's mind. Go, therefore, make disciples, Jesus continues. It's properly understood just like this. My disciples, as I have you under my discipline... 
Now it is time for you to bring others so that they may be my disciples as well. Hebrews 12, quoting Proverbs 3, helps us understand what Jesus means by discipline. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son who he receives. The ultimate endurance Jesus alone took on the cross, taking every sinner to the very mercy seat of his eternal Father in heaven and destroyed our sins right there. No more would there be fear of our shameful acts in the past. No more eternal consequences for our temporal misdeeds. No more would there be fear of a wrathful God because the disciplined life in Christ led him to the cross instead of his disciples. Go, Jesus says. Actually, he says, as you go, as such disciples of Jesus, as they go, take the gospel with them, whether to daily work or church work, whether it's mission work or yard work, whether it's working for the family or fun for yourself. It's not the journey's end we are going to. It is accomplishing the work of the Lord as we go and wherever we are going. This is what got the gospel to all six continents. Disciples took baptizing, teaching, and keeping everything Jesus said as a precious treasure with them everywhere they went. And we still do. It doesn't matter where we are. Because we believe Jesus died and rose from the dead, we are his disciples wherever we go. This pandemic proves it. We weren't even in our church building, but we were still the church. We couldn't use the baptismal font, but we still did home baptisms. We couldn't open a hymnal or look at a Bible in church, but we still worshiped together and devoted ourselves to his holy word. We did this automatically, regularly, and intentionally without even giving a moment's thought to giving it up because we are disciplined by the Holy Spirit to be disciples of Christ. That is the disciplined life, and we can't help but live it because this is the discipline every disciple is willing to die for. To be sure, Christ died for it because he thought our lives were worth dying for. So we will not die, but live eternally. Christ's death was worth our living. Amen. Now may that peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. 
Amen.